Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. AFL Fantasy is back in full swing with the game opening earlier and earlier this year. We are going to get dived into it, going deep into the, uh, the what it takes to win fantasy, uh, AFL Fantasy, what it takes to get a good starting squad and how to tackle these new twists and turns in the 2024 season. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And you might notice I'm here uh, going solo, but I'm not going solo. Uh... Luke uh, is not, not going to be joining us tonight, but the reason is I have upgraded. We are taking the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy content to new heights this year, so I can't have that loser dragging me down. I'm getting in someone who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to AFL Fantasy. Very special guest and car winner, Darren. Uh, welcome to the podcast, mate. Good to have you on board. And finally... Someone of uh, a similar intellect to discuss on the podcast today, and uh, we can we can actually you know let the grown ups talk now and uh, talk some fantasy strategy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Get rid of Luke. Get me on the pod. <laughs> yeah, uh, out I'm, with I'm, the I'm old, in with the new. Jump on. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time, mate. And uh, obviously, for those of you know, who don't know, uh, you are wearing a very special hat on right now. I'm, I'm very stoked to, the, that you've, you've decided to wear the hat on the show today. You watch along on YouTube, you can check the big number one on the side there, which is very, yeah. very cool. And you've got a nice uh, car in your, in your garage. Well, uh, well, first of all, just talk me through, um, since winning AFL Fantasy in 2023, um, are you getting stopped in the streets now? Are you signing autographs? <laughs> What's life been like since, uh, no, since winning? Nothing, nothing's changed, honestly. No one knows. You know, Only the small community. If I wore my hat around more often, maybe I'll get stopped around, but this is probably the second time I've ever worn it. So Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, it a, is it kind of like you just want it to stay nice, like a... You know, like a prestige yeah, yeah. trading card. Keep it in its case, and yeah. that, that's it. Um, I put it in a display cabinet, so it's just displayed in the house. So everyone can see it when they come visit. No, uh, yeah. lovely, lovely. Oh, mate, I think uh, I think I don't know what I don't know what I'd do. I'd, I'd probably I'd probably want to you know wear it every everywhere I went, but at the same time, I'd probably just like you try to preserve it and keep it nice and nice and fresh. So, uh, oh, no, that's, that's awesome, it. mate. It's obviously it was a big year for you. And um, being the first episode, this will be the first episode for the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast for 2004, our season two. We are going to pick your brain a little bit. First of all, we're gonna we're gonna 
cast our minds back to last year. And and because it's the preseason and everyone's picking their um, you know starting squads, we're going to focus a little bit more on um, you know what your strategy is when it comes to preseason sort of scouting and things like that, and how you came up with your uh, starting squad. But before we do that, just wanted to ask you. So obviously, you finished number one last year, but prior to that, was there like have you had much success before in terms of finishing high up in the in the rankings before last year? That's the funny thing. I was no nowhere near previous year. So I've played this game for about four years, right? So, and the highest I finished previously in 2022 was just inside the top 10,000. So, I'll, wow. I was no chance. So, so was, you're telling me that, that Luke looks in with a chance. Is that what you're telling me? With you by his side, I'm sure he can get a shot at it. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But, uh, okay, that's, that's good hope for, for a lot of the viewing audience out there that, um, you know... It, and like you said, it could be it could be anyone's year. Um, so what, what do you say? It was like ten thousand after round. Yeah, I think it was just inside the top ten thousand, like nine thousand one hundred and something like that. I can't remember the exact number now, but yeah, no, I've, I, it's just been my general growth that I think has really contributed to my me winning last year. Just yeah. understanding the game a lot more, understanding the rules, which players you do and don't pick. We all fall into the trap of, you know, when you first start, you pick the key forwards and your favourite players and yeah. stuff like that. You yeah. just That's not the way to play this game, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, 100%. I, I remember the, the first year I played, I'm Richmond fan, and, you know, first player pick was Dustin Martin. I was like, he's one of the best <laughs> players in the comp. I'm going to pick Dusty because I love him. And, you know, fantasy and real footy are, are different sometimes. So it is Very important different. to distinguish the two a, a lot of the time. Um, so I guess my, my follow-up question to that is, you know, what what was, I guess, like the turning point in terms of we, you know, one of our first episodes we did last year was sort of our, what I, what I call philosophies when it comes to AFL fantasy. Um, do you have any like hard, fast rules or general philosophies that you've learned over the last few years that allowed you to be successful last year and, um, and any that you care to share with us? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I'll just go across my top three. Like, obviously, you have the general ones where you don't trade out your premiums and stuff like that. But my main top three philosophies would be just be ruthless. You don't want to get attached to any sort of players. You've got to look at them in numbers, right? You don't want to have your favorite players and, you know, they may stink it up a few weeks and you hope that they get back to it, but they just they never do. You've got to look at them at numbers. Yeah. Um, so two, I, I, I'm very, you've probably heard this already previously in other podcasts and stuff like that, but I'm very strict on how I look at the fixture. Okay. Seeing which which teams have the good run of um, easy teams that are the, that position to score well. Um, is is that, that something you, you view more as like uh, for trading targets or is it also something you, you factor in heavily when selecting your starting squad team? Starting squad two, yeah, yep, definitely. Both. Yeah, okay. which, which I'll say that it's a bit of a grey area, a little bit, because obviously not no team is the exact same each year to year, right? Yes. So you have to just go based off last year's data with who's yeah. the easiest team and who's the hardest team, and you make your best predictions. And throughout the start first few weeks, you can make those little changes to, you know, make any adjustments you need to. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, it's something that I think I want to get better at as well. I remember last year, and I was talking to Luke the other day about this. Is um, and I'm going to be doing a show on this later on. But um, I remember in the big boys, the first I think four to five weeks, Clayton Oliver was like the number one big boy or number two big boy in terms of my captain's rankings for the first four to five weeks. And I I remember thinking to myself, I was like. 
Bloody hell, like, if, if he was my number one or two captain pick every week, why the, why the fuck didn't I start with this guy? <laughs> um, so, if I, if I had sort of done a little bit more research or foresight into that kind of planning, um, I think that that can be something, you know, especially probably with those guys you're paying top dollar for, um, you know, and a really important factor to, to bring into it. I still personally maybe factoring a little bit less at the start of the year because hopefully the player you're picking, especially those premiums or underpriced premiums, are guys you want for the entire year. Um, and if they have value, they're going to have value. But I do think that for me personally, it's something I want to factor in just a little bit more um, this season at least. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, the way I like to set up my team is I always like to have that you know Uber premium where – you know, they're, they're not there to make money for you. They're there to be a solid caption option and you know they're going to stay around that same price anyway. Mm. They're already top dollar sort of thing. So that's just the way I structure it. If I'm not looking to get maximum dollar out of everybody. I'm just trying to get the most amount of points on the field. That's interesting because I think um, the value discussion and the philosophy of like getting uh, under price undervalued players across your entire team has been the um i guess the the popular or, or has gained popularity ever since sort of selby's taken it out those um two years in a row and um so it's interesting to say like obviously i think you know we'll, we'll talk about your starting squad team a little bit there were still obviously players who were a very good value but it, it may be not be a priority across your entire team um uh, which i think no, yeah, which is an interesting no i definitely i definitely don't think it's a requirement over the entire team it's only those core must have players where i think you know that make up your m4 to m6 sort of range and your d4 d5 stuff like that you know i don't you can get the under uh, under value sorry under yeah, underpriced guys <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So yeah, you know, well, underpriced premium. So what, what was your third point? I think we went through your, your yep. top two. Yep. yep. So my third point is to always plan your trades one week ahead. So don't just look at the week you're focusing oh, on. Always fine. look ahead. Yeah, you, I see so many people get stuck on just what they're doing this week and then they end up screwing themselves a lot for the next week. You've got to leave yourself some cash for what you want to do. Look at the people, look at the players that, you know, that may have a good week or people picking up this week that you can pick up next week. So you're not having that much risk involved. So yeah, that's something I'll, I'd heavily focus on as well. I, I love that point. I think that's, that's huge, huge, uh, good advice there. I think, I think that that is something that I think, the more casual player, if they wanted to take their game to the next level, um, you've probably heard this a lot of times, like your starting squad is important, but it is a trading game. You get, you get two trades a week, you use them or lose them. Um, and that I think is like a big thing, especially when you hit that sort of week five, week six upgrade season and you're trying to prioritize who you're getting into your team. You want to have that foresight of, okay, I'm getting in this guy this week, but I want to in, in this next few weeks pick up this guy, this guy, this guy. Um, yeah. And, and have that around and, you know, especially when it comes to buy planning and things like that. Um, if, if you can make that transition instead of thinking one week ahead, thinking a, a month ahead, um, I, I think that is a, a game changer for a lot of people. Yeah. They, they can learn that. That's where most people struggle, right? Especially around buy time. You're trying to predict what's going to happen in three, four weeks' time. It's it's nearly impossible. You try your best, but you know you, you have to have some sort of prediction of who you want to target. It may not work out completely, but you at least have those targets, and you at least allow for any adjustments that happen. Yeah, uh, just just to just to stick on this point one thing longer. I will I will say though that it is whilst it's important to have that forward planning. I do want to make sure that we also mentioned that it's not maybe something that you have to by all means stick to 100% because 
it, you know, on the flip side, you know, AFL fantasy, a week can be a long time in AFL fantasy and things can change dramatically. There can be injuries that happen and chaos also comes in many forms. So um, it's, it is good to have that planning and, and, you know, if everything goes well, you've got something down in place, but don't be married to it. And if something pops up and there is a, a change, you know, continue to entertain those other, other options. I, I still think it is important because sometimes we don't like to go away from our original plan, but sometimes the times we do, it is actually the better thing to do. It's, it's hard to know when exactly those things are, but um, yeah, that's just something that I would also mention is don't be completely married to it just because you've been planning this for months and everything else is, you've got blinders on, you can't see anything else, still take in all the information you can. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I think I remember from last year, there was a couple of occasions where I had to switch up my plan, you know, yeah. where I was two, three weeks in the making. I was either trading in Rory Laird or um, Callum, Callum Mills, and obviously he got injured in the first quarter. On like Did you have Callum Mills points. at any point? No, oh, I, you I, was, I was planning on getting him the week after, and yeah, he got injured, and then I had and to switch up my plan. And you know. Here I was thinking I was going to be sneaking, get a week ahead of you, and this is going to be my way up, and oh, <laughs> no, nah, okay, anyway. Nah, it, it, it's fantasy is a very cool game. It can yeah. shut you down real quick, very quickly. I think Callum Mills is a swear word on this podcast. All right, let's <laughs> let's move on to the next one. Next question here. Um, it sort of ties into those sort of things we were talking about in terms of, um, you know, the... the um, upcoming schedule and things like that. But there are, are there any um, specific tools or websites or anything else that you can think of? You know, you can point to specific podcasts or, or anything really that, that helped you inform your trades and your starting squads that you think if people aren't aware of that, you know, we can point them towards or, or anything that sticks out in your mind? Yeah, for sure. I use a, a range of different tools and websites and stuff like that. So I'll just list them off. So I've got, obviously, the AFL website is the main one, which everyone should use. You keep up to date with injuries, team announcements, just regular updates. You've got to be around that one. I like to use FootyWire, which is another website, yep. which is in, uh, particularly for break-evens, player statistics, and just like team statistics. That's the one I use preliminary. Mm-hmm. But Another one, which is probably the number one site that you just need to go to, is um, DFS. DFS Australia, Australia. yes. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's the, that's the one-stop shop, really, for all your fantasy needs. With You can just get your CBAs, stats, your kick-ins, your, and it even has like a sort of its own um, – Scale of hardness for the fixture. Yeah, shout out you- Calvin. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the, the, pioneer, the, 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 pi- yeah. the pioneer. The pioneer, we'll call him. But yes, no, they they do also have a good tool over there as well. Um, and I agree, yeah. it's 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 a good one stop shot for your your CBAs, kick ins, um, you know, ruck contests they've got over there. They've got you know, yeah, the scale of hardness, what's been and what's you know projected to come as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and heat maps, all this kind of thing. So yeah, definitely. That's the one I kind of had in my mind that if people aren't aware of DFSAustralia.com, uh, definitely yep. go and check them out uh, it, because I do think that they're yeah really, really good. And it's free. changed my game last year as well. I didn't use it before last year and it just changed my game completely. So Didn't use it last year, use it last year, won a car. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go. See how we go, everyone get on board. Any, um, any other ones? Uh, that's the, all the websites. Um, I'm obviously a huge fanatic for the um, all the podcasts. I have a podcast as long, long as my arm, really. I think I have probably six or seven podcasts that I listen to, yeah. including the Bull Boys. So, yeah. Were you were you in the? Uh, I can't remember. I don't. Were you in the um, the Ball Boys uh, league last year or the Open uh, League? 
No, I don't believe I was. Oh, I, don't believe I think I got on. I think I got on uh, midway. Ah, okay, okay. Midway through the season. Well, so. you, you got to chase. You got to chase another crown this year, and that's the Ball Boys Championship. <laughs> I think Fleabaggers actually took that out last year, so he, he uh, missed out of the car, but he got the more coveted uh, Ball Boys Championship <laughs> under his belt. So I never saw him in those Friday Night Lives. So I say that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you dodge each other. All right. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fanatic, and um, look, I think the other thing that the podcast community and what I love about the AFL fantasy podcast community is not only is it, I think, information rich and it is like we were saying before we started recording, it's harder and harder each year, I think, to get a hat because there is so much good information and smart coaches, you know, like myself, uh, despite not having a hat, um, uh, willing willing to give out uh, information. It's also just, it's it's fun. I think it's it, it helps enriches the game and I really think that it allows... AFL fantasy to be what it is, is the community that it builds and, um, you know, just the entertainment that a lot of those podcasts do. So, you know, follow us, subscribe, thumbs up, by the way, on the video if you're watching on YouTube, Um, but but check out a lot of other podcasts uh, in and around the place. I I can't recommend that highly enough and uh, get a mixed opinion, mixed, um, you know, see as many different ideas as possible and then that'll help you inform your own. Do you, do you ever find that when you are listening to other podcasts and things like that, that um, like, and it differs from your opinion, do you think that it, it, it can be tough to, I don't know, like trust your gut in a certain way or, or how do you find that process of listening to others, but still then having your own thoughts and, and sort of backing yourself in there? Well, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's, it's we all have our different opinions of the of it, our players, and it can. What, what I like about the podcast is it opens your eyes to something that you may not be aware of, so it can change your decision a little bit. But if you really on, if you really like a player, then you just got to back yourself, don't you? You can't change. 100%. You can't go go throughout the season doing something everyone else would do. And it's not going to make any difference. It's not. Exactly. You only got to make yourself upset by you know not backing yourself, especially yeah. that player eventually does to go well, and you know you missed out. So I think I think you'll always regret. Um, you know, you regret it more if you change your mind and the guy that you were gonna go on goes well, and you've gone with someone else because you've heard it from another podcast or whatever. Then if you go with your guy and and he kind of flops, I think I think the first scenario is is a worse because you know you had it right there. You know you you, you had the right guy, the right thoughts in the in the beginning, and um, you just sort of didn't back yourself. I think that's that's a worse way to go in my opinion. So yeah, I, I do say, and and Selby's a big big proponent of this, and you know says at the end of all of his emails and things like that, trust your gut, and uh, yeah, I can definitely co-sign that. Um, let's talk about your starting squad. We'll start to talk about some specific players, and I'm going to try and bring it up on this screen here for those watching along over on YouTube, see if I can make this uh, work properly for us. Here we go. Yep. So having a look at your fantasy starting squad from last year, I wanted to highlight just a, just a few players that really caught my attention. Um, one of the maybe more underrated picks here, in my opinion, was the Jaden Hunt pick that you've got here at D4. Um, talk me through, because he was not someone on my radar all that much. Now, he obviously moved clubs, and um, that's sometimes always something that we sort of you know should you know perk our ears up. But what, what, what went into the process of selecting Jaden Hunt last year? What caught your eye that made you want to start him in your, in your starting squad? 
Well, obviously he changed club, right? So I, I thought West Coast hunted him specifically for a Pacific role, so I knew he would be best 22. And it was just a bit of a touch and go whether it was going to be that half-back flanker or sort of like a wing role. And in the end, he kind of played a bit of both. So, And he was only priced at low 40. So I was like, I don't see a downside to that at all. Yeah. I, I, he's got The ball's going to be down that there, there, down there backside a lot of the time for that yes, year. So, so <laughs> I can't see a world where he would have gone 40s again. And he's, he's such a good spreader because he's, yeah, he's so quick. He's able to get those cheaps plus sixes all the time. Yep. He even snuck forward throughout the season. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I just didn't see, I didn't see a world where he would have gone anywhere near 40s again. So was, I thought, was he someone I on your radar, like prior to like the preseason games or anything like that? Was he someone that you'd been tracking most of the preseason as, as it was, and um, you know, the preseason just kind of confirms that you were happy with his role, or was it uh, another yeah, way yeah. that it kind of transpired? No, I had, I had him since uh, before even any prelims or any sim matches before that. So yeah, I had him all the time. Very astute pick, because I think I believe he was quite unique to start the season, and uh, yeah, made it made a bunch of money and um, allowed you in in your starting squad, as people can see here on YouTube, it allowed you to have the what I would think is the preferred structure where you had just the one rookie, Ruben Jimby, at, at your D6. I know I started with the two rookies, and that D6 position was a bit of a nightmare, especially uh, when uh, Charlie Constable went uh, or got booted off the team, essentially. So um, I think that was a, a really nice pickup there. The other one that I wanted to highlight, well, the absence that I wanted to highlight is that you didn't start with a very popular forward premium in Josh Dunkley. What what led to that decision to fade Josh Dunkley in your starting squad, who was by far, I think, the most popular premium player in uh, AFL Fantasy last year? Yeah, it was kind of a, a, an unusual one for me to think that he was, I think, 60 or 70% owned. Yeah. And I, I just didn't have any confidence that him slotting into a new team in a sort of a, a new role for him, especially along Lockie Neal. I just didn't see him going anything above the 110 that he was already priced at. It was only downside for me. I didn't think he'd go as bad as he did, but, you know, it, it, it definitely worked in my favour, which allowed me to grab other players like an Errol Goulden as, as such. So that just played into my hands a little bit, just not thinking he would have any upside as such. Yeah, I think that's interesting because, um, I mean, I made a similar kind of decision when I chose to fade like a Sam Doherty last year and um, it worked out pretty well. I mean, he, he had some games that were decent at the start, but overall, he I'd say he was disappointing, especially in the beginning when he um, obviously, uh, before he, and then he got injured, um, you know, finished the season fairly good and we all got him kind of back into our teams at one point, but um I do believe that there is very much something... I'm not a huge fan of like seeking a point of difference for the sake of having a point of difference, but I'm starting to sort of come around more to if you can poke holes in a popular player's game and especially those guys that are a bit more pricey, um, I'm coming more around to weighing that more in as a decision to fade a popular player more so than getting a you know unique player for the sake of them being unique. Um which obviously worked out quite well for you here. Now, on the flip side, they can hurt you, but if they're priced high enough, then, you know, if he's priced at 110 and he goes 120, like, yeah, it, it hurts because he's putting on big scores, but he's only going 10 points over exactly. what 
you know, you they've paid for. So it hurts, but it doesn't hurt like you missing out on someone like a Will Setterfield who's priced it. I can't remember what he was, 70 or something, and then he's going 100 for the first month of the season. So um, yeah. I think those are the ones you really got to nail, and obviously you did nail it with the Will Setterfield. And uh, the, the, the next question I've got here is more structure-based, and it's something I think that I want to spend more time talking about in the preseason as well. Is there a certain structure that you find yourself... Um, gravitating towards or using as a, I guess, a blueprint in year to year, or is it very much dependent to you on the season in its own, its own thing? Um, year to year? For example, like, are you a set and forget rock guy? Obviously you've done that this season, but is that something you traditionally would do or any other sort of structure things you lean on? So it definitely depends on the year, right? So you have your core players, which are sort of your must-haves as such, that you really got to structure around. Uh, this last year was actually the first time I actually went with a set and forget sort of rucks because I just obviously we saw a lot of upside in English and Marshall. Now yeah. getting that solo ruck time, which just worked out in her favour. They both killed um, it, yeah. They both killed it. They both didn't miss a game, which is um, still blows my mind just to know that they both didn't miss a game. It could have really destroyed my season if they had missed one. Um, but yeah, I, I, it definitely depends each year, right? You can't have a set structure every year. It really depends on what the values are around. And obviously this year with the new, um, what's it called? New fixture. Yeah, the early we, buys, we, round zero, whatever yeah. the hell it's called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how do we navigate that? So, yeah. you know, yeah, well, this is going to be a whole, whole new, um, whole new ball game, really. I think when it comes to that, I think we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that a bit more in a second. Um, but yeah, I think the decision, obviously, with the certificate rucks here, like, and and this kind of ties into a point, and I talk about this in fantasy basketball as well. But is you know players who are injury prone or the perceived injury prone players or players who are perceived to be durable, um, there are definitely truths to that in some you know scenarios, like, and especially if you've had. A, have had an interrupted presence, which ironically Tim English kind of did. Um, but you're you're injury prone until you're not, and you're mm. an Iron Man until you're not. And I'll credit <laughs> I'll credit Josh Lloyd, the the fantasy basketball Aussie legend, for that. But it's um it, it's true, right? Like, are, are we now going to go into this season thinking that Tim English is you know someone who never gets hurt, or you know is you know, Josh Kelly nah. was a guy that was, you know, super injury prone for years and then he had a couple of years where he played 22 games and things like that. But to me, I try not to factor that in too much or overthink that too much if they've had a clean run into the year, they haven't had any preseason injuries or anything like that. Um, I, I sort of, you know, just cross my fingers and hope that they're, they're going to be healthy. No, you have to, yeah, don't you? But yeah, there's a lot to consider when you think about injuries and stuff like that. You've got age, so do you really have the same confidence as a Zach Tilly, you know, yeah. or, a, or a Duncan? They're, they're in their mid-30s. Do you, do you can see them going, you know, playing 23 games a yeah. year? 100%. Yeah, I, I do think yeah. that is something we need to take into account. And I, uh, I have my over 30 rule, which I'm going to stick by again this year. Or Maybe I break it sometimes, you know. Maybe, maybe Max Gorn can break that <laughs> break that rule for me, but we'll, we'll see. It's it's a it's a guide, you know, more than more than anything. All right, let's um let's move away from the last year's starting squad and let's talk about 2024. And in particular, we're going to talk about this early season by opening round round zero curveball that we've been thrown. I guess um, it's something that. Or at least as long as I've been playing. I don't know if this has maybe happened before. Um, 
in other seasons, I don't know. I've only been playing, well, how long have I been playing? 2019 was my first year. So what's that? Five years or so. Yeah, um, like, what are we doing with this in terms of planning our fantasy starting squads? Is it is it a blanket rule of we're not having premiums who have those early buys? Is it different for different price points, different positions? How are you just generally, and we'll dive a bit more in deeper, but how are you generally approaching or thinking about these early uh, buys, at least you know, in December? It's a million-dollar question, is it? It's obviously we've never, something we've never seen before, and we've all got an uh, even playing field at the moment with how we attack this. Uh, my approach so far is just making sure my Uber premiums don't have the buys. Like obviously, have a buy in the opening round when we, then the scores don't count. Yeah. And then, you know, they only have the one buy throughout the year because uh, I plan to hold my Ubers until throughout the whole year. So that's how, that, that's the best way to maximise points, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm also tossing in between two minds of do I want to go value or do I just go set and uh, guns and rookies so I can yeah. maximize points throughout the, uh, the early stages. Because it's, those first six weeks are so critical to how you set up your season. It, yeah, it's a very good point. And, um, you know, I think that guns and rookies approach, whilst it's not normally something that I gravitate towards, it is something I'm very heavily considering this season because of the fact that five, is it? No. Yeah, four of our, our, our first six weeks are going to be best 18. And yep. you talk about rookie roulette and, you know, random Nick Martins coming out and scoring 130s, Kay Chandler's coming out and having tons and things like that. Like, this, this shit happens from time to time. We can't predict it. And if you have the wrong rookies in a regular season in a guns and rookies approach, you're cooked. You're kind of screwed because you've got those poor rookie scores. You miss out on the good ones. You don't have the mid-prices to score well. But in a best 18 uh, sense, you are going to have those poor scores drop off. You're only going to have the good scores um, you know, accumulate. So you think about the need for a mid-pricer. The, need, the mid-pricer is primarily there to score better than a rookie but still accumulate cash and... But but they're never going to accumulate as much cash as a rookie would. So if their score is not as important because it's best 18 and you might get some good rookie scores added in and the bad rookie scores dropped off, then should we be dabbling in the mid-prices as much this season? It's definitely something that I'm going to be considering and think about as we go into the preseason. And especially if it's a mid-pricer that has a buy around anyway. And I'm seeing a lot of names early thrown around there, which... Are those guys, you know, you, you talk about a Kadeen Coleman, you talk about mm-hmm. a Zach Williams, you talk about um, maybe an underpriced premium and a Sam Walsh, um, Taylor Adams even, I guess he's a premium in the forward line. But all these guys, I would consider value and in a regular season, I'd be saying go for it. But this year, it just gives me that real pause to say, yeah, I don't know about these guys. Like, And the other thing that, you know, complicates it is we're going to watch them play in in round zero and you know you're going to know oh they're going to go up in price in that first week but you know it was a one week week big price rise worth it i mean i'm not sure 100 percent of my thoughts on it just yet but it is uh it's going to be very interesting i think moving forward um what, what are your thoughts on like those mid prices and watching them in that round zero is there is do you do we almost have to have like a if they score this they're in if they score this or less, they're out, kind of thing. Like, how, how do you approach watching, or how do you think you're going to approach watching that round zero? 
Uh, it's weekend. tough, isn't it? Because cash is king in this game, right? Yeah. So we still want to make sure we get the maximum amount of money. And the other thing is, do we have enough rookies that are actually going to play to field a full rookies, a gun and rookie team? True. Yeah, that will dictate I, us. Yeah. I'm struggling to put a full team together where I can do that. So that's where I'm sort of torn at the moment, where I still think I will have a few value guys, which even though they have, you know, a round in round two or round three, it's just, you just got to go with it. And hopefully they are decent enough that you can hold them for the rest of the season, where I think you can hold a Kitty Coleman for the rest of the season. Hopefully he is a top six by the end of it. Yeah. Um, Taylor Adams, I think, is a lock for top three, uh, or top top six at least. Um, you know, so those ones, uh, and another one to throw in is Brody Grundy. Yeah. How popular is he going to be? Yeah. He's going to be at least seventy percent. I would have thought. Yeah, I think and he'll he be a popular a- name, and uh, I think he will be one of the most fascinating players to watch in that first round because he's gone up against Max Gorn, isn't he? Um, yeah. So how much are we factoring? Like, say he comes out and scores an eighty-five. Like, is that? Are we are we filled with confidence with that? Like, what do we do with that kind of a score or a ninety? Like, it's those like middling scores that you know. I don't know. It's it's tough, isn't it? Because he is priced at seventy five, so you still look at that, and that's ten point unders. Yeah, it's just the planning. Well, it depends on what your plan is, right? So if you plan to go the gun and rookies, you don't want to move your your, gun, your rucks at all. You want to hold them for the remainder of the season, and that's the way to maximize your trades and maximize your money. Um, but if you think you're going to trade them or you you don't think he's going to be top you know top two or three ruck in the end then is it worth holding him through the buy is it worth starting him at all you know yeah so that's that's where i'm still tossing and turning i i'm pretty confident i will start him at this point but we'll have to wait and see i guess interesting. We've, got, yes. we've got three months still before we get round one so yeah interesting i think the ruck line it's it's kind of almost a weird year for rucks because i actually think we've got a lot of good options where i feel like the previous years it's it's been the opposite we've not had very many i actually think there's quite a few good options this year um some more underrated than others to, just to, to just to nail the point on um these buy rounds before we move on to some specific players the one thing I also want to mean, I'm going to talk to Luke about this uh, in our next podcast where we'll do a really deep dive on it. But um, I also think that the positions are going to play a big factor into how many of those round early buyer guys can you play. For example, I don't want to have a single premium midfielder. This is my early thoughts. I don't want to have a single premium midfielder who has an early round buy because for the most part, the mids, we always talk about, you know, you throw a blanket over the top 8, 10, 15 and there's so many good midfielders in there that, to me, it's not worth starting someone like a Sam Walsh, who, like I said, in a normal season would be value. I would definitely be considering him, and I love Sam Walsh. He's actually probably one of my favorite players. But, you know, I could just pivot to someone who doesn't. Like, I could just pivot to an LDU who's in a similar price or something like that that maybe has a similar upside. And even if he's slightly worse, I at least know that, you know, he's going to play, you know, one more game than him for fantasy yeah. purposes. And... um I don't want to have one of those big, expensive premium mids when there's so many other options that even if they're not quite as good, they're similar in a way versus, you know, in the forward line, for example, you know, your Flanders and your Taylor Adams, these guys might be way ahead of the next best option. So I'm more likely to concede that we start with those guys, even though they have those early buys, because am I picking Flanders or am I picking bloody 
Dusty Martin or Tom Lynch or you know some of these yeah. guys, these key forwards. <laughs> There's a big jump off, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like I have no confidence in those kind of players. So, all right, I'm just going to cop the fact that they're going to have a buy uh, early on and, and that sort of a thing. Versus the mids, yeah. I'm giving up too much by missing out on those other guys that I could go instead. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's what I touched on before is that you don't want your Uber premiums to have that one of those early buys because you're just yeah. missing out on points. So that's sort of into my thinking. I'm sort of combining that with the fixture and what looks good. So what I would normally do in last season was looking at GWS. They probably have the best run to start with. I with agree. North Melbourne and West Coast in the first two games. You think, okay, who, who do you pick? Do you go Green? Do you go Cornelio? Do you go Kelly? Does you know, Whitfield. but because they have, uh, yeah, even a Whitfield, but because they have that buy in round three, yeah. does it then void them yeah, like entirely? Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's tough. It's uh, unusual. It's something we need to, I think we need more data on for the next three se- uh, three weeks, uh, next three months, sorry, yeah. to really gauge on what we want to do. Um, but that's just some of my thoughts so far. Yeah, something that we will definitely be diving in uh, a lot over the next several weeks and months over here at the Ball Boys uh, podcast. Let's talk about, um, just to wrap all things up, I want to talk about some player specifics. And um, I mean, you know, if, if you don't want to give us too much, you can, you can lie and, you know, you know send us down a, another path. But I want to get some names on the podcast, on the record, I'm going to go through each line, defense, mid, ruck, and forward. I just want you to give me one name. You can be as vanilla as you like. I don't mind. It's early days. Anything's vanilla right now. Uh, just some players that you are extra keen on, that you're watching very intently in each of those lines that you can share with us. Yeah. All right. So I'll go with your boy, Hayden Young, to start in the back line. My boy. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, to, I need to tie up a, a soundbite. That, you know that I'm ready to get hurt again because that's exactly how I feel about Aiden Young this year. Yeah, he's definitely undervalued, and I reckon he will kill it this year. He's, I, I saw see him as that uh, Jordan Dawson role. I think he's just going to slot Ooh, in there yes. nicely, and uh, we see what he did in those last five or six games at the end of the year yep. last year, averaging close to a hundred. So that's easily fifteen points above what he is now. So I think that's pretty much a lock for me. I like it. I like it. I hope... Uh, I Well, look, first of all, if everyone's going to jump on Hayden Young, look, a, a small part of me, the small sicko part of me, hopes he, like, stinks it up again <laughs> and we all get to experience what Luke and I experienced last year. But uh, at the same time, uh, that's if he's popular because we'll all be in the same boat. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I agree. I, I'm ready to jump back on board and, uh, and you know, experience the Hayden Young uh, wagon air. Because the other thing was with Hayden Young, right, though, right, is... It, it was never him as the player. He, he's a gun. He's actually a really good footy player. It was just the fact that you got Seagull Luke Ryan over there who just calls for the ball, runs and sprints for those kick-ins. And, you know, Hayden Young is just that, you know, solid, really good guy and, and, and you know, hits the, the target every time he kicks the ball. Um, and just didn't get the usage, I guess, for lack of a better term, that, that he probably deserves. And in the midfield, I think he's got more chance to do that. Oh, 100%, yep. I, d- I don't see why. They're, uh, we're already hearing on the track that he's training in the comments. midfield, so yeah. I think it's pretty pretty much a lock in there. So yeah. I can't see a world where he ever goes back. Don't get me started on Luke Ryan. He gave me nightmares last year. So. <laughs> Luke Ryan, friend of the show. Uh, we'll have to give him one more time. I'd love to, <laughs> love to have him on. Uh, let's talk about the midfield. Uh, so uh, I've gone a bit left field with this one. Ooh, I like it. It's George Wardlaw. Oh, okay. All right, that's that is a bit left field, George Wardlaw. Now, what? What? Let's let's talk about um, North as a general in terms of their midfield 
Uh, I That's guess, where I was sort of leading into next. Thing, like, we don't know where they're, what they're doing just yet, so it's going to be a lot of watching over the preseason to see who sits where and what's going to happen. But, yeah, he's definitely value. He's already 10 points under what he averaged last year just because he didn't play enough games. But we know he's a point-per-minute beast. It just needs that time on ground and that, that role in I think he could easily average close to 100 if he gets the right role. He, he looked really good once he did go in there last year. And um, I think I think another name from North Melbourne, which I don't know if he's going to be popular because he never really is, but I've seen his name out there in Jai Simkin. And I don't actually think that he's going to be like the centre bounce locked in mid that we've come to no. expect. So I, I would... I could see a world where, like, George Wardlaw is, like, ahead of him in terms of, like, that CBA pecking order. Like, it'll be LDU, and then it'll be those other kids in there, I think. And Simkin yeah. might have that, like, I don't know, that dusty split where he's a bit forward, bit bit inside. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good name. That's no, a, that's a no very... I agree. I think Simkin, I think the game's probably gone, not, say, past him, but I think Clarko's game plan is going to be a little bit different to trust the young kids. They've got so, a lot of talent. Uh, that's the thing. They you know? do, yes. Um, How do you fit that all in the squad without, you know, dropping a few y- your yeah. guns who may not be performing as well as they should, you know? So Okay. George Wardlaw. I like that. I'm going to have to uh, – look, I've just added it to my favourites right now on the, uh, on the <laughs> AFL website. All right, let's talk uh, the Rucks. I've gone pretty vanilla with this one. Brody Grundy, he's going to be the most talked about Ruck this preseason. So – um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops with obviously just the, the buyers and whether the Sydney game plan actually works for him. I assume it will, just with the smaller ground, you know, hopefully better, better weather and more home games. I can't see a world where he does 75 that he's priced at, but can he reach the heights of his 120s a couple of years ago? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Um, do you, let me ask you this: What do you expect from a like a ruck split from him? Like, is he that ninety percent CBA ruck that he's been in the past, or is he like a seventy percent ruck with maybe nah. like a Peter Adams or something like that coming in? And no, I can't see. I think Peter Adams is pretty much done to be honest. But yeah. it'll probably be um, be McLean or be. Marty Party, Marty who, Party, yep, yep, yeah, who goes alongside him. So, and I, I expect it to be sort of eighty twenty percent sort of thing. So, okay, which would be awesome for his game. Unless I hear otherwise, then I can't see a world where I don't pick him. Early team reveal. I do not have Brody Grundy <laughs> in my team, but he's obviously he's on the watch list as I'm sure he is for most people. Yeah. Um, currently, he's not in my team, but. Yeah. Exeria Island, yeah, mate. I'm <laughs> I'm refurbishing the island. I'm it's it's coming up for business. It's uh, yeah. We'll see how we go. See how we go. See but I'm, we go. I'm I'm loving uh, Exeria, the cherry over there. All right, let's talk about the uh, the pile of shit that is the forward line. Who who's who interests you the most here? Yeah, I've tried to go a little bit left field with this one as well, just because obviously it is so vanilla back there. But I've gone a bit of value in Elijah Tartus. Is that the one? I think it's uh, someone told us. I think it was uh, Sidus. Sidus, okay. Yeah, Elijah Sidus. I I could be totally butchering that. Um, (laughs) But yes, uh, from Essendon, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yep. You saw what he did sort of in the back half of last year. He's already 15 points under that. So, And he was low time on ground as well. I think like 60 65%. So if he can secure a role in Essendon, um, yeah, I can see a world where he's 
easily close to 80. If Because he had CBAs as well. He did. In the back end of last year. So, yeah, he's on my list to watch. He was um, he was definitely touted as one of those juniors that had a high scoring pedigree. Um, yeah. Big numbers in the, in the VFL, I think, as well. Um, so he definitely has a, a good scoring background. Um, I guess the biggest thing is the role in the midfield and is, you know, you've got your merits, you've got your parishes, um, you know, set of field, yeah. set of field. I mean, like, yeah, how, how high up the pecking order is he going to be in there? And I think, I think there is a lot of room just in general in that forward line for us to be hunting a lot of those like second and third year breakouts. Some of those younger yeah. guys that, um, you know, maybe we'll drop some names in a future podcast, but I think there is a few guys in that similar price range that, um, like, a. Uh, Sardis and Nick Cox Sardis uh, yeah Nick Cox in the same same team as well I think he's got yep. an injury affected uh, average as well so um, yeah few few guys I think there's some young guys in the forward line especially because we've had all that guns go you know those big dogs that were you know midfielders essentially in our forward line have all gone um, so I think yeah we, we need to start to look at some of those younger upcoming players for the most part um, to, to fill out that forward line yeah. uh, another thing we also got to keep aware of is obviously DDP come through in round 6 I believe round so 6 this year yes after round, after six, after round so, 6 yeah yes. so we got to keep mindful of who we think is going to actually gain forward status and really contribute that into our thinking of Maybe we picked them as a forward, uh, as a midfielder at the start of the season. And any early, you know, any early tips for those? Um, I haven't really put a whole lot of thought into it just yet. Obviously, the game's only been open what a week now. So, yeah, yeah. Um, fair enough. No, not not a huge amount. I would have said I would have said Petrarca, but I don't know what's going on with Clayton Oliver right now and uh, that whole situation. Yeah. I don't yeah. have too much information with that, but. Just a fade for me at this point until something yeah. happens. But um, um, if, if Oliver's there and Petrarca is playing a little bit more forward, I think he just barely missed out on the cut as it is. So he's one that might be there. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And, and obviously, we'll, we'll get more information as we get close to the season. So, yep. no, very good. Thank you very much for uh, giving those tips. Some very interesting names there. Some ones that I didn't expect you to come to the podcast with. So, uh, yes, definitely might open some eyes and. Some people might be searching some of these names up and, uh, you know, like myself, chucking them in the favourite list and <laughs> keeping in mind the preseason. So um, thank you very much, mate, for, for jumping on the show. We might wrap it up there. Um, anything that you want to plug for the audience or anything that you've got going on at the moment that you want people to check out? Or is it, uh, you know, is it Twitter no. or anything like that? Or are you just floating around having fun uh, playing fantasy? No, nah, I have nothing to plug. If you want to follow me on Twitter, go ahead. I'm sure I don't even know what my handle is. I'm not, <laughs> not one of those people. So, nah, if you want to find me, I'm sure you can find me on Twitter. Um, but besides that... For sure. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for jumping on. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in the Ball Boys Open League when I can get organised and, and, you know, chuck that out there and we can compete against you over there for everyone who follows the podcast here. If you have uh, enjoyed today's podcast, give this video a big thumbs up and uh, get excited because we've got lots of pre-season content coming out soon. We're going to be talking about those pre-round buys in a lot of detail. We're going to be talking about things that myself and uh, I suppose we'll get Luke back on. Uh, and that Luke and I have learned from last season, some lessons we're going to take into this year. And then we're going to start going into the positions, the forwards, mid-prices, premiums, mids, rocks, for, uh, defenders, all that sort of good stuff and really cheering it out. And hopefully we're also maybe... You know, no promises, but doing a little bit of draft content this year. So lots happening over at the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Hit that subscribe button if you can. And uh, that will do it for us today, guys. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Laters.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.